you have your Bibles, uh, our scripture reading this morning is in Exodus chapter 7, verses 1 through 7. The Word of God reads, And the Lord said to Moses, See, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. And your brother Aaron shall be your prophet, and you shall speak all that I command you. And your brother Aaron shall tell Pharaoh to let the people of Israel go out of his land. But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt and bring my hosts, my people, the children of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. The Egyptians shall know that I am the Lord when I stretch out my hand against Egypt and bring out the people of Israel from among them. Moses and Aaron did so. They did just as the Lord commanded them. Now Moses was 80 years old and Aaron was 83 years old when they spoke to Pharaoh. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. In January, we did a series with the students um, talking about the plagues of Egypt. Uh, we, fit, we figured it was kind of fitting, given corona and all that that was going around. As we dove into that, um, we realized most people know that story. Most people know who Moses is. Most people know about the Red Sea and the plagues of Egypt. But there are some incredible things that we learned in diving through those plagues and through the life of Moses. And so this morning, when we look at Exodus 7... Our, our scripture is an incredible precursor, but it's also a great summary of what happens in that story. And I'm sure for some of you, when I read that scripture, different parts stuck out to you. Maybe for some of you, it was like, dude was 80, and his brother was 82, when God said, go do that. For me, it's the very first verse. You have the Lord of all creation... You have Yahweh, you have God speaking to Moses, and he says, I have made you like God to Pharaoh. He literally tells Moses, I've made you godlike. I don't know about y'all, but I love some like superhero movies. If God just told me one day, hey, I've made you godlike, I'd be like, can I be like Thor, Superman, Captain America, Flash, like what, what's my powers? Like, let's go, I'm excited. That's like every guy's dream just to wake up with some sort of superpower. God literally tells Moses, I have made you like me to Pharaoh. And then he goes on to say, here's the playbook. Here's what's going to happen, Moses. He literally gives him the plan and then the outcome. You and your brother, you're going to go to Pharaoh. You're going to tell him to let my people go. Pharaoh's not going to listen to you. He's not going to do it. So I'm going to do some incredible miracles, some signs and wonders in Egypt, and then I'm going to deliver my people, the Israelites. And they're going to know that I am the Lord. And so in verse 6, we read, Moses and Aaron, they did exactly as the Lord commanded them. Moses was 80, Aaron was 83 when they spoke to Pharaoh. So if we read just those two verses, we're like, man, Moses and Aaron... Those dudes are obedient. Those guys are the shining example of obedience. They're 80 and 83, and they're like, all right, we're going to do exactly what God tells us to do. 
But uh, how many of y'all, the older you get, you learn, man, there's certain things I can't do. Uh, I'm getting there. I saw this post on social media this past week. says, if you're over 30 and you're moving different house, just hire a moving company. Your friends don't want to risk a slip disc for some pizza and drinks. Like, it's not worth it at that point. How true that is, the older I get, I still like to play basketball with our seniors and our senior high. I love to get out there, but man, if I don't stretch beforehand, that next morning is tough. I'm getting up there. Moses is 80, Aaron's 83. They don't use an excuse, but here's the thing. That's probably because Moses already used up all of his excuses. And we tend to overlook that. In Exodus 3, when Moses first encounters God in the burning bush, most people know the story. Oh, yeah, God appeared to Moses, told him, go free the people. Boom, there we go. That's the start of the story. There's a big conversation that happens. It's two chapters. Exodus 3 and 4 is this whole conversation between God and Moses at this bush. Moses sees this bush. He goes up to it. God speaks to him and says, I am the God of your father, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob. And it says that Moses hid his face. He was afraid. Moses was not nearly scared enough. Because when God says, I'm about to send you to Pharaoh, Moses is like, whoa, time out. I'm not doing that. Five different excuses he gives. The first one, God, who am I that you're going to send me to Egypt? Who am I? God says, I'm going to be with you. He says, it's not really about you, Moses. It's more about me. I'm going to be with you. Excuse number two, what if they ask me who sent me? What am I going to do, God? He says, you tell them that the I am has sent you. You tell them that Yahweh has sent you. Again, Moses, it's not about you. It's about me. Excuse three, what if they don't listen to me? How many of y'all is like, just do what I said? All those seniors out there that are about to graduate have probably heard, because I said so, about a thousand times. God doesn't say that. God says, throw your staff on the ground. Moses does it, turns into a snake. It literally says in Scripture, now get this, Moses is a very confusing character. Moses runs away from the snake. Talking to God, burning bush, but snake is what he's scared of. He says, pick up the snake, and it turns back into his staff. And God says, now put your hand inside your cloak, take it out, and his hand is struck with leprosy. He says, now put it back in. Take it out, it's healed. God's like, do I have your attention? What if they don't listen to you? I'm going to send you, and I'm going to accompany that with signs and wonders. Not good enough. Moses, excuse number four. But God, I've never been good with speaking. I'm slow of tongue, I'm slow of speech. God says, I literally made your mouth. I made you, and I'm going to be with you. Not good enough. Moses, excuse number five. Please just send anybody else. Anybody but me. That one probably rings true to a lot of us. Anyone but me, Lord. And it says, and the, the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. That's not, you, that's not a phrase that you want your name accompanied with. And the anger of the Lord burned against Moses. And God said, I'll send your brother with you. And then we get to where we are. Okay, we'll go. By this time, I'm sure Moses probably understood that if he was like, but I'm old, 
Like he already went through all of these different excuses. God's like, it's not going to work. Excuses don't work with God. So you have all these excuses. How many of them worked? Zero. It's kind of like the time when I was younger. I didn't want to go to school. She'd be like, oh, mom, I'm sick. I don't feel good. Mom had this magical power where she put this like back of her hand on my forehead and be like, no, you're fine. Go to school. Well, my older brother got me in a lot of trouble. I didn't need his help, but he got me in a lot of trouble. We decided we're going to both skip school. We're both sick, both really sick one day. And uh, we said, mom's got her magical back of the hand thermometer. So let's get the hair dryer and blow it on our foreheads till our foreheads are like 200 degrees. And uh, so we go, we're like blowing. He's like watching the stairs, make sure mom's not coming so she doesn't know what we're doing. And we're like, oh, okay, mine's hot. Yeah, yours are hot. Okay, let's go. Oh, mom, we don't feel good. We go up to mom and both of our hair's like this. <laughs> and she's like, um, yeah, get in the car. We're going to school. Uh, you know, your 200 degree temperature, you're dead before we get there, but whatever. Like, it didn't work. Our excuse didn't work. It doesn't work with God. We see Moses use it time and time again. And so what about us? Are you feeling called to serve in a mission opportunity, but you're finding an excuse not to go? You need to be plugged into a small group, but oh God, that requires me to share my stuff and be, be intimate with other people. I feel like I could lead that Sunday school class for children or students, but God, I'm, I'm too old. I'm too busy. God has amazing plans, as Moses found out. But don't let excuses hold you back. And in verse 3 it says, But I will harden Pharaoh's heart. And though I will multiply my signs and wonders in the land of Egypt, Pharaoh will not listen to you. Then I will lay my hand on Egypt Bring my host, the people of Israel, out of the land of Egypt by great acts of judgment. There's a lot to unpack in verse 3 and 4. There's a whole lot. And he's referring to these ten plagues. But before the plagues ever happen, Moses and Aaron go to speak to Pharaoh. And just like in front of the burning bush where Moses throws down the staff and it turns into a snake, they're giving Pharaoh a little glimpse of what he's about to deal with. And Moses takes Aaron's staff and they throw it on the floor and it turns into a snake. But then it says, the Pharaoh has magicians and sorcerers and they do the same thing with their staffs. They do the same thing with their staffs and their staffs on the floor, they turn into snakes. And there's some lessons from this because there's beauty in it. The Bible says that Aaron's staff literally ate the other two. Look, there's power, and there's some scary stuff going on in the powers of evil and darkness, and it's not to be messed around with. But God is still more powerful. But because of that, oh, you did staff turns into snake? Look, my guys did staff turns into snake. I'm not going to listen. The first actual plague, Moses goes down early in the morning. He meets Pharaoh at the banks of the river before Pharaoh gets to go in and wash for his daily cleansing. He goes in, and as Pharaoh's getting ready to go in, Moses steps into the river, and he turns the entire river to blood. He turns the whole thing to blood, and it's not just like food coloring. A lot of people think, oh, it turned red. The fish die. It becomes undrinkable. Even the water that people had stored at their houses in vessels from the Nile River turns to blood. Everything. It says the Egyptians had to dig down into the ground to get clean water. 
Guess what? Pharaoh's magicians come along. Well, we can do that too. Pharaoh, don't listen to him. We can do that too. And as a result of Pharaoh's magicians, it says, Pharaoh says, he went to his house with no concern for even this. All of his people's drinking water turned to blood. Pharaoh's like, my magicians can do that. No big deal. The next plague, Moses brings frogs upon the land. It says it's in their food, in their pantries, in their cupboards, and in their beds. Chapter 8, verse 7, the magicians did the same thing with their secret arts. They bought frogs upon the land. Pharaoh cuts a deal. Says, Moses, Aaron, if you get rid of the frogs, I'll let your people go. I'll let them go. Once the frogs start to die, and he sees that there's relief, he says, never mind, I'm not letting your people go. This, this plague's disgusting, by the way, because it says there were so many frogs, they started to heap them up in the streets, and they just started, the whole land became foul. Like, no thanks. My kids are in diapers, foul smells. I'm not for it, not for it. The sole purpose, as we see these three things, the sole purpose for these magicians is to influence Pharaoh against God. Their sole purpose. And some of us, probably sitting in here today, have some Pharaoh's magicians in our lives. People that cause us to doubt. People that influence us negatively. Be careful who you allow to influence you. The third plague is the plague of gnats. Man, growing up playing sports outdoors, gnats are just annoying, not a big deal, right? And then my parents moved to the Mississippi Gulf Coast. And I went down there this past spring, um, and for like two weeks every year, there's this influx of buffalo gnats. So I don't know if most of you know what buffalo gnats are. Some people call them black flies, but they are the spawn of Satan is what they are. These buffalo gnats... They bite, they leave whelps, they're terrible. We took our kids out to the beach, we're like, it's a beautiful day. And like 10 minutes later, we were running for our lives, like swinging towels at our heads. They hurt. It's awful. A Clarion Ledger article from 2018 says this, a severe outbreak of buffalo gnats in 1931 caused the death of more than 1,000 mules along the Mississippi River. Yeah, gnats are annoying, but if you get enough of them, and if they're the right kind, they can literally be deadly. They're no joke. And in Exodus 8, 18 through 19, it says, The magicians tried to bring about gnats in the land, but they could not. And they told Pharaoh, Surely this is the finger of God. God proved him wrong. Just as he told, Pharaoh, just as he told Moses at the beginning, this is what's going to happen. You fast forward to the sixth plague, the boils. It says that magicians couldn't even come before Moses and Pharaoh because they were struck with the boils. These magicians tried so hard to discount God, and in Pharaoh's court, it worked. Pharaoh surrounded himself with those influences. And our scripture says, I, the Lord, will harden Pharaoh's heart. But as you read through the plagues, it isn't until the sixth plague that's written, the Lord has hardened Pharaoh's heart. The first five plagues Pharaoh hardens his own heart. Pharaoh listens to his advisors. Pharaoh thinks of himself as the God king. He says, I don't have time for this. I'm going to harden my own heart. And then, once God's had enough, I'm going to keep showing my power through you, Pharaoh. I'm going to harden your heart. You see, Pharaoh hardened his. And I ask you, are you guarding yours? 
he allows these magicians and these influences to cause him to doubt, to cause him to go against God. Do you have areas in your life that you're allowing influences to, to cause you to go against God? Or are you being that influence? We're called to bring others closer to Christ, not away. And that should be in every aspect of our lives. Our friends, the movies we watch, the social media we look at, the music we listen to, our workplace conversations, guard our hearts so that we don't harden our hearts. And you guys know how this story ends. You know how this story ends by the Red Sea being parted and the Israelites walking through. And it says, as they were leaving Egypt, I absolutely love this, it says, God's promise was that by these signs and wonders, Moses, all of Egypt will know that I am the Lord. And at the end of this, at the end of the plagues, as they're getting ready to leave, it says the Egyptians were saying, leave or we're all going to die. Leave because we know that your God is the one true God. And as they're leaving, it says the, the Egyptians literally gave them gold and clothing. Like, we've been slaves for hundreds of years, but take some gold, take some clothes, just get out. We are terrified of your God. We know that he is who he says he is. And then on the other side of the Red Sea, as the Israelites have crossed to safety, the first thing that they do is they bow down and they worship God for who he is. You have redeemed us. You have saved us in Exodus 15 one of the first hymns of the Israelite people, God, we give you the glory. Oh, the Lord, our strength and song. And so, seniors, as you get ready to start this new phase of life, you're going to have plenty of chances to give excuses. But don't give God your excuses. It's going to be tempting to skip class. It's going to be tempting to sleep in. But follow Christ fully with all that you are, without excuse. I challenge you to guard your heart. You're going to have more influences in this next phase of life than you ever thought possible. Hold fast to what is good, but also be mindful of how you influence others. Bring others into an encounter with Christ. And lastly, give God the glory. Like God reminded Moses, it's not about you, Moses. It's about me. It's about God Almighty. And so whatever you do, the accolades you get, the jobs you get, the scholarships you get, it's okay to take pride in those things. But give God the glory. 